guys. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Service Without Excuses podcast. This is Rob M. Lyon. I'm glad to be with you here today. Still in Florida, going to be for a few more days. Um, got some meetings and some conferences, and I got some time to work on um, some new podcast episodes too as well. One of the things that's really nice about that I'm very fortunate about when it comes to recording podcasts is my clients give me a lot of really good questions. And and that's that it gives me the ability to share some of the resources here on these podcasts. As obviously some of the stuff is proprietary or, or custom to them. I do a lot of work for that for uh, for companies like that. So I can't disclose obviously pertinent information to that, but I can sure disclose a lot of generalized information. And the question was from this new client, actually, they're in South Florida. Um, what I, I, what is what is the the targeted market? What is a market that I should go to? Who are the people and, and, and how can I identify them? And it, we didn't even get to that level. This was just an initial meeting. And uh, we signed it up, and we're, we're going to start working with him. But I was happy to answer his question. But after I got done today, I says, you know what? This would be a really good episode of the podcast. Um, we're at season two, episode number seven as of today. What is your target market? Now, do you, in fact, actually know what your target market is? Or for that matter, what is a target market? Each business is entirely different from one another, as well as from each different industry. Understanding and identifying what is a perfect target market or what's called an avatar can help guide you in the direction that you need to go. You don't want to play a version of 52 pickup. If you know what that is, you want to be more of a strategic bullseye approach to things. So a target market in, in the easiest terms possible is people that can help build your business. Um, some would call them joint venture partners. Um, some would call them referral partners. Some would call them um, uh, common brands, common businesses, common industries, businesses that have common likes, like a home-based business might work with a pest control person, an interior decorator, a painter, um, a carpet installer, flooring installer, a carpet cleaner, um, you know, HVAC person, uh, air duct cleaning company. Um, all of those companies have something in common. They all go into a consumer's house. They all go into a customer's house to do a job. Well, there are that target market. So if you're trying to do a target market when it comes to business to business, and this is the first part of the podcast we're going to talk about, because there's also other different versions of target markets too as well, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. But a business to business target market would be somebody that has something in kind with you. So if you're a carpet cleaner, we run a carpet cleaning firm here in New Jersey. Well, not in New Jersey now, but in New Jersey. And one of the common referral partners for us are realtors, property managers, painters, contractors, facility directors are very big for us. Um, air duct cleaning companies refer work to us from time to time. Pest control companies can refer because they're not just moving work outside, they're also spraying inside, so they're in customers and clients' homes every single day. So you have something in common with that company. Um, when you can identify what a target market is, how a target market can benefit your company, how a target market can help build your brand, your position in the marketplace, um, then you can you can do very well. You never want to guess on somebody. If you can't identify what your target market is, and this is an exercise you really need to sit down with, and I could put up an analogy, but you could pretty much describe it. Very, I can pretty much describe it very quickly. You can make up a simple chart and say, this is what I do. Well, who else does what I do that doesn't do exactly what I do, but they're still doing a home-based service. Now, we coach mostly home-based services. 
Um, the company down here we're talking to is a, is a uh, roofing contractor, but you could be anything. The roofing contractors also work on commercial buildings. Carpet cleaners also work in commercial buildings. Painters and air duct cleaners and pest, and pest control companies work in commercial buildings. So we're just going to stick to residential for this one. You will have something in common with each other. That is the customer. They need work. And us being down here in South Florida, we had to rely on recommendations because we're not from here. And we tried to get a hold of the um, the head of maintenance in the in the in the uh, in the private uh, subdivision we're in right now. Um, it's a private community, and but the, he's on vacation, and the whole staff is down because of the whole COVID thing. They're not working nearly as much, so they're not nearly as accessible to us to get that information. So. We had to go to other sources. So we went to the neighbors of of my wife's uh, father's um, house, old house here in, in West Palm Beach. And we asked the neighbors that we trust that have been long-term friends of her father when her father was still alive, um, who they recommended, who they thought were the good um, people to work on. Well, one of the neighbors here happens to be Spitfire. She's she's on it. She knows everybody. She's hired every contractor for not just her home, but also for a home she's has as rentals. Excuse me, just had to get some um, tea right there. So they she had she's used these companies not just once but multiple times. So she knows people that are good and she's tough. So if they didn't do the job right in the first place, she definitely, definitely, definitely wouldn't be hiring them back to do anything, any type of work for them. So um, she was a tremendous benefit because she almost acted like a general contractor. She was able to literally um, who to recommend, how to talk to them, uh, line them up. We didn't know. We've got a pretty busy schedule here ourselves. I've got business interests and personal interests. I'm not just working. I'm on vacation and working at the same time and still running a business back home. And my wife is working virtually here from um, from Florida. So we're still working. We still have this, and we're still trying to get people in here to do some different projects before the house you know, ends up on the market at some point. But we needed her feedback. We needed to know who she thought were good people, reputable people, reputable people, excuse me, to refer. And she referred numerous. One of those customers, and I talked about it on the podcast yesterday – was a roofing contractor, not the one I spoke to today, but a different roofing contractor that came in and did the work. And his guy showed up this morning earlier than stated. They said between 9 and 10. They were here about 8.30. They were ready to go. They asked me a couple questions. Um, They had a map of everything they needed to do. They had pictures of what they needed to do. They had all their tools, and they were ready to go. And uh, they worked till probably about 1 o'clock this afternoon, did the repair that they quoted they were going to do, sent us the pictures, sent us the bill. We paid the bill gladly. And it was good. So this guy runs a legit business, and I would recommend him to anybody down in South Florida. I believe he's based in Fort Lauderdale, so about 45 minutes south of where we're at. Um, they were excellent. Um, and again, the gentleman showed up in a, in a shirt and tie yesterday, and I wasn't quite sure how to handle it, but I had a good feeling. He looked you in the eye when he talked to you, and you could tell he had good work ethic just by the way he was describing things. He wasn't. Uh, he was a little bit of an older gentleman, uh, but definitely uh, binded by his words, so to speak. So. He did the job 100% exactly like he said he was going to do. He did everything that I would dream to have every client and every person I work with and everybody I even speak to here on this podcast to do. He did exactly what he said he was going to do and then some. And he, he again, he underpromised because he said they're going to be here between 9 and 10. They were here and they worked their tail off and they were here and, and – and we couldn't be happier with the work and gave us a two-year warranty with the work and to boot on top of everything. So. 
it, it was an awesome experience. That's great customer service. For this gentleman, I would like to hook him up with other people of reputable. Now, that's what I will go out of my way to do is find up other contractors that I can hook him up with in the area that will help build his business. And I'm going to do that just as a customer, just seeing just from the outside view, because I, I'm going to be that cheerleader, as my one of my mentors, Steve Tabiran, says. I'm going to be a cheerleader for his business now just because he did everything right. He did the things right. He did what he said he was going to do. And as I always say, no excuses for anything. He did exactly that. So we couldn't be happier with that. Businesses like that just need to be in the business of promoting that they do things like that, that they do workmanship like that. Their target market for a roofer would be a drywall guy. Because the next question we had was, do you have anybody to do some drywall work? We need some drywall work done in the house after this whole thing is done. And I'm not sure if he knew anybody or not, but um, a good person for him is a drywall person. A good person for him is a painter. A good person for him is a contractor. A good person for him is a handyman. A good person for him could be pest control. A good person for him could be an HVAC company that happens to work in an attic to put in an air handling unit and happens to see problems with the roof and leaks in the roof. There's so many people that it can be his target market before we even get to the end consumer. All right. So we can identify what commercial is, what business to business is, what things you have in common with each other and how these businesses can refer each other. Um, another big power play for me is a cleaning company, a commercial cleaning, residential cleaning company. Um, I work with a couple of them that are that we work very well together and refer each other quite a bit. Those are commonalities. Those are target markets. You need to make sure, identify who they are and put a program in place and systems in place to market to those people, to stay in front of them, to be TOMA, top of mind awareness when it comes to these potential people, because they can give you multitudes of work. You can develop a referral reward program if you want. We do. If somebody refers us a job and they're consistent referring partners, we we have a referral reward where they get actually money back from the jobs, a percentage of the jobs, um, back to them every quarter. And um, they're very happy with it. Most of them don't ask for it. Most of them fight us about the payment, but it's marketing cost to me. It, and it's a good marketing cost because it came from somebody that had some trust from the customer and the client to refer our services. And now we not only have to make them look really good, but we also have to do the job right and then make sure we take care of them because it's their time and effort to get us in front of those customers and clients. So it's key to make sure you 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 don't forget about them, identify them, and treat them like gold. Now, what is a target market for any particular business? So this one's a little more out there and a little more, uh, let's just say, uh, expanded, so to speak. So if I was a carpet cleaning business, which I am, I use myself as an example, a target market for me would be people that are homeowners within a certain radius of where I work, because you do want to cut down on what's called windshield time. If you have a company like mine where it's where you go to the homes to do the job, they're not usually doing anything in our office, in our shop. We usually go into the consumer's home. We're going to the customers and clients' homes. So I would want to identify where I could do to cut down that windshield time. Well, the population I have around me is in the immediate local couple of cities. The one I live in and a couple around me is about a quarter of a million, but there's actually about a million and a half people in my two counties that I market to, of which about a million are homeowners. So that's a huge number. Um, and if anybody has that market, that's a that's a good market. Um, it's got all of its competition too, just by capita. You've got a ton of people doing what we do. 
but it's still got a good market base to work with. So if you're in that market, you would want to find out who the people are. So you'd want to find homeowners. Um, maybe you want to find out that we, we all know that, no offense to us guys, but women usually make the decisions when it comes to the cleaning of the house. So usually they're the ones that say, hey, I want to get these carpets clean. They look dirty or the furniture clean, the tile and grout clean, whatever that happens to be. So we found out that it's more female uh, customers, more women customers that actually call us and hire us versus versus the guys. And but they're, the guys are not 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 forgotten. There are guys that call us to get work done, um, but it's mainly because <laughs> their wives or girlfriends or whatever are bugging them to get it done. So we identify that it's a homeowner, um, possibly a woman. Um, we also know that uh, that uh, um, we got to make sure they have you know some type of furnishings in the house. Um, you know we like to know if we're going to market to people that have things we can clean. Most people have furniture, so at least we can clean that. We found that tile and grout is there more often. Area rugs are there more often than not in a home, and then of carpeting, of course. So we want to identify that. Um, we would like to identify income sources because we want to know that they can afford the services. We're not going to market to somebody that will go down the road and get a uh, no offense to them a rug doctor, but they they they're really not our competition because it's just a different customer. But we don't we're not marketing to people. They're not our target market when they're going to go down to Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's and get the rental machine that was just used to clean out you know Fifi's carpet that had a skunk odor in it. You know we're not marketing to those people. We don't worry about them. If you think you're going to get the same job done uh, by a little portable machine like that, that a professional company, no matter who they are, is doing it, you're kidding yourself. You just, you're not. But there are customers and there are people in this world that feel they're going to spend that. Now, what they don't realize many, many times, and this is not getting on the, the pulpit, so to speak, but they're spending sometimes more money than if they hired a professional company. Um, but they do own the equipment at this point. So if they have a dog or a cat or whatever that has consistent accidents, maybe that's the reasoning for purchasing it. But if it's a one and done, they actually usually lose money buying one of those machines or renting it and buying all the chemicals. But Again, they're not our customer. They're not our potential client. Not at all, because they're thinking about renting a machine. They're not thinking about even hiring a professional person. Same person that goes in there and says, I'm going to clean my ductwork itself and goes out and has maybe a guy that isn't a business I'm in that bought a little machine that's going to go in and, and clean the ducts correctly and the coils correctly and the air handler correctly and the plenum correctly. Not to give all technical jargon, but there's a lot to doing those jobs right. He's not going to do the same job that a person with a truck mounted system like myself and my business has or like the air duct guys that have a big $100,000 truck mount is going to do with two technicians that do it every single day, five, six days a week. This is what they do. They're technically mechanics at that point. You know, they're not customers, all right? So if the guy comes with the shop vac and the little uh, industrial negative air machine and, and tries to say he's cleaning the ductwork without actually doing all that. He's really not cleaning it, but of course the customer's only paying three, four hundred dollars tops to get the whole house done top to bottom. You know, that's tough. I've seen a lot of people, 150 bucks, 200 bucks. You can't expect they're actually doing the job right. So those people are not customers to a professional air duct cleaning company. They want to know people that are going to value it. So they're going to come to people like me that have a decent ticket or job average that go into good homes with good customers every single day and do the right job. And they want to market to us, but they also want to market to that customer that's in the homes that would, that has it. They have air handling systems. So they don't want to have them if they have hot water heater. You want to identify these people have newer homes with air handling systems into them. Um, and that they can, they can, they can service those, those, uh, those things. So they would need to target people that have a newer, 
built home. Maybe it was constructed in the last 10 years. Um, NADCA, the National Air Duct Cleaning Association, recommends you clean it every three to five years. So there's a good chance in five years it hasn't been cleaned. You probably still have some construction debris from when it was first built in the ductwork itself. So it's probably got a lot of buildup in there. And you wouldn't think for a five-year-old home you would, but you do. So their market is these newer customers, uh, these newer homes that are within that time. So who would they contact to find out a list of that? Well, they want to fi- might want to find out who the developer or the builder was in a certain subdivision or a community. And that person might be able to say, you know what? All the people that we built for, you can put a flyer together. And I'm going to go old school here. I'll just use this flyer, for example. But you can put something together that we can give to the people that bought the property and put some package together that's specific for the customers and people that are in these developments that we did, say we did these townhouse communities, and they're very common here in New, Jer- in New Jersey. And uh, we're going we're gonna to pass them around to everybody. So if we've got 300 units in here, there's a chance that maybe 20 or 30 of them might actually take you up on it because they're all about the same time. Well, 20 or 30 people and one shot for a developer to refer to that air duct cleaning company is a monster amount of work. An average professional air duct cleaning job is between five and six. So let's just say it's five. Let's just say it's four fifty five hundred dollars. A guy gives them a flat rate, a good special onto them. They're going to do all the duct working, all the duct works, the main supply and return, the unit itself. They're going to do it right. Um. You know, th- there can be a tremendous referral relationship. Number one, the air duct cleaning company can pay a referral fee back to the developer that referred him all that work because, you know, the marketing campaign through when it came through his circle of influence, the end consumer in the community needs to have it done. They're in a community with a house that probably costs four to five hundred thousand dollars, so they are in the market for the most part to purchase and have the ability to purchase that four to $500 ticket or five to $600 ticket, whatever that happens to be. They have the ability to do that. So your target market is not only just you, it's the developer or the you know builder right down to the end consumer. And the developer is the connection point between the two. So the direct market could be the end consumer or the, the direct market person or the direct contact you would possibly want would be that uh, builder and that developer. So understanding what that target direct market is, that target market is crucial to be able to identify. Who do you have in your sphere of people that you know, both homeowners, both developers, both business people that can help refer your business? Who do you know in your current client and customer base that may work for a facility that can actually refer you? Who do you have in your current client base that can help refer your business that are customers like that? You can put an easy campaign together. Um, One of the ones that comes to mind I I learned from Jay Abraham many years ago was – um, you know, sending a letter to each of them telling about how valuable they are as clients. And I only want to work with clients like you because of your high value and character and you're a great person. And they basically put them up on a pedestal because they are important. They are, you know, they are a pedestal. They're those former clients and customers. So those are people that um, can help really transform your life and business. So before we go any further, I know we're just about to the end of this podcast. We've got a few more minutes to be able to do it, but um, – I would say take and write down a list, uh, and I would take it and put down, you know, maybe four boxes. And I would say, you know, write down in the first one, business, and write down the bottom one, consumers. Because, again, I'm talking to business people, so you're, t- you're dealing with business people that can refer you, 
that are your target market, and you're dealing with the residential customers that are also in your target market. And underneath them, on the other side, you're going to split it to four lines. So let me try and draw it out here a little bit. And you can't see this through audio, so it's kind of tough, and that's why I didn't really want to do it. But if you're watching the video of it on YouTube or going to my YouTube channel, you can see this. So this is an exercise I've done with my clients. And my penmanship, as you know, is complete shit. So it is what it is. The top one of the box says commercial. The bottom one says residential. And there's four lines here. In these lines, you're going to be able to identify who in the commercial sector can refer you. So if you are a uh, commercial guy you're going to go after and you're a carpet cleaner, well, I want to talk to a cleaning company. So on the top one, I write cleaning company. And the second one, I say I want to talk to a uh, interior designer. ID, interior designer. So you're going to write down the four most impactful people, both on a commercial basis, business to business, biz to biz, biz to biz on the top one. And then the bottom, it says residential. And you're going to put R to C, which means residential to customer, residential to consumer. And you're going to identify the four types of customers that you want to get. In the residential side, you're going to look at homeowners, H-O-M-E, top aisles, homeowners. Second one might be uh, women because, again, we know women care about this stuff more than us dumb guys do. Third one might be, um, hmm, let's see a good one right there, uh, income. And then distance. So the distance, where they are located to your to your business. And again, in some markets, you can't, you have to go further out. You have to be willing to travel because you're in a smaller market. That's understandable. It's fine. You still want to target market to the people that have it. You don't want to market to people because they're close to your neighborhood because it's easy and convenient for you. Um, Dan Kennedy talked about this in magnetic marketing <laughs> years and years ago. You know, and, and he found out that they were the carpet cleaner, as a matter of fact, was marketing to people. I believe it was in Phoenix. And he was marketing to people that were closest to his shop and his office. And unfortunately, they were not the customers. They were, if lucky, they were the guys that would get the rental units. If not, they would go out and get a pressure washer and try and clean their floors. I mean, these were these were the people he was marketing to because it was convenient to have them right there close to his office. You know, again, windshield time. Well, the problem is that's nice, it's convenient, but in that process, you're marketing to people that will never, ever hire you and will never pay you what you're worth. So why would you market to them? So think about that. If you're in a market, an area, and you're in um, Nebraska, and you got to be near a major city, but you've got to travel 30 minutes away to find – and I, I don't know Nebraska, so I'm just using it and that as an, an – uh, idea here. Um, you got to travel 30 minutes away to get to the desired market, the desired target market that you want to do. That's what you do. You spend your money in those markets. You spend the money, whether it's through SEO campaigns, uh, whether it's uh, social media campaigns, whether it's posts in communities, whether it's uh, direct mail, no matter what it is, your target market is not the people that are right around the block. Because if you don't go 30 minutes away, you're going to spend all that money for nothing with the people that are never, ever going to buy your service. So make sure you identify in full, who your target market is, both in business-to-business, -business, commercial, and residential, R to C. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much. If you have any questions, please post down thing. Make sure you subscribe to our channels. We've got our stuff on iTunes. We've got our stuff on Spotify. We've got our stuff on YouTube. Make, you, make sure you subscribe to the channels. It really helps us a lot, and we can't tell you how much it means to us to help see this grow. Every day we see new downloads. We see people subscribing. And it helps us a lot. It's what gives us reason to keep doing this. Uh, I have a very busy life, and I certainly didn't necessarily ask for any more things, but I have a true passion for helping people. Anybody that knows me, that has known me for any period of time, knows that. So my number one priority is to help people, help people uh, get to where they want to get, help people through experience, through drive, through mistake, through heartbreak, um, in order to get where they want to go. And again, you're getting advice that I've either done myself or, or have made mistakes with myself, but no advice I don't know for a fact that actually works. So um, again, if you have any questions or anything you, you may not agree with, please feel free to put it in the chat on YouTube. Feel free to put it on anything, uh, iTunes, uh, any questions. And again, all your feedback is greatly appreciated. And again, I appreciate your subscriptions to um, our Service Web Excuses podcast. You guys have a great, awesome day. Enjoy it. And I'll have another one coming out to you real soon. Have a great day, guys.